0: Make it
1: Going on, everybody. That was Searching Game by Rochester, New York's Tegan in the Tweeds. Tegan Ward is my guest on the show today. I just wanted to remind you guys of the fee. As you know, this show is completely free of charge. Um, If you get value from this episode, if you enjoy this episode, direct message a friend and just tell them why you did. Share it on Facebook, email, uh, wherever you ultimately chat with your friends and neighbors, spread the word. And that really is what keeps this going. Um, Without further ado, this is me and Tegan Ward. Welcome everyone to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and yeah, I'm super excited. I'm humbled to have Teagan Ward on the show today. How we doing, Tegan? What's up?
2: I'm doing great. I'm happy to uh be here and uh, excited to you know do something different than just live stream playing or listening to myself practice in my living room it's happy. I'm happy to see another face so
1: <laughs> yeah i I am as well. um It's nice to have you here I, I gotta tell you the most significant memory I have of you playing music was that Bernie Sanders rally. <laughs>
2: Yeah, for sure. That was pretty cool. Um, that, that, that came up, that was a really, I don't know if you know the backstory about that, but man, that was a crazy gig that I got the opportunity to play. Like it came out of nowhere and to do that was really, really neat. I, I, my boss at work saw me on CNN that morning before I came in, which was probably only a once in a lifetime thing. What,
1: what is the backstory? How did you land that gig?
2: So we were, the Tegan of the Tweeds and I were playing a gig at, um, I honestly can't remember right now, um, somewhere around town. And when we were done, we had some friends that were um, uh, playing over at Johnny's Irish Pub. Actually, it was Pete Griffith, who I think is going to be on Groovecast or is he on Groovecast next? Pete Griffith? Uh, Yeah. I I saw that.
1: I'm actually talking to him on Wednesday. So that episode will be out next week.
2: Awesome. So yeah, Pete Griffith and um, Dirty Bourbon were playing at Johnny's. And so we went down to catch the end of their show. And um, when we got there, he asked me to get up and sing a song with him. So I sang little by little a blues tune. um, And it was really fun. My keyboard player, Katie, got up and jammed too. And then the next day I woke up, and I had this inquiry, I think on Facebook, I can't remember if uh, where it came in, but I think it was Facebook Messenger or something. And it was like, hey, I was at the bar last night. I heard you sing. I'd like to uh, ask you to play for the Bernie Sanders rally that's in like a day. <laughs> it was like the next day and I was, at nine o'clock. He was like, so if you're into it and you say yes, I need to get you cleared by Interpol and um, all these other things. And I was like, ah, okay, S- yeah, absolutely. So I kind of smelled fish. I wasn't really sure if it was true, but uh, I went for it. I gave him all my info. He got he cleared me. Um, and the next morning at 9 a.m., I showed up and I played in front of a ton of people in national television on every news, organ- news outlet that you could imagine. <laughs> and it was uh, pretty wild. Yeah.
1: No, but. that's, that's incredible. Um, I just saw you at a bar the other night. Will you come play at this massive rally? How does that happen?
2: Right, I guess. So this guy's job in the campaign was literally to go to what, whichever city they were going to be at next and scout out like where they he thought the campaign might want to eat where they thought they might you know want to go for a drink and who locally might be able to help them out for the rally so that was also kind of neat to know that there was like a team of people that were actually trying to sink into the local scene and not just like you know come in do the rally and leave like they were really trying to get everybody involved so that's something I appreciated no matter what your politics are you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's amazing for anyone that wasn't at the rally or doesn't know much about it here in Rochester, New York. Um we had a lot of politicians visit and Bernie Sanders that was like a a rock and roll show. That was like, yeah. there's a lot of people there. That was that was cool. And um I'm trying to remember, did you just play solo guitar or did you have accompaniment?
2: I did. I played solo guitar up on this like very high stage. There's a picture um, on my Facebook of, like I don't even know how many people were there. I think at least hundreds, if not maybe over a thousand. I'm not positive, honestly, but they had this giant American flag in the background. And there's like this tiny little Tegan like up in this giant sea of people with the American flag in the background. And it was like, I, I can't even believe that it happened, really. It was really neat.
1: That's super cool. It's super yeah. cool. What what does it feel like being up there? Is that the largest audience you've done? And uh,
2: So that's definitely not the largest audience, but that was the highest pressure because there mm. is a media box in front of you with, uh, I don't even know, I mean, probably over 30 reporters with cameras. And uh, I, at that point, I didn't even know where I was being broadcasted. Like I just knew it was all over the place. Um, so that was intimidating and definitely like, what do you play at a Bernie Sanders rally? Like I I feel like I should have learned like this land is your land or something like that. Like something patriotic. I don't sing a lot of patriotic music. Um, So I just try to play it safe and play like some, I I actually played some original music that I have about like traveling the U S and some other tunes, but um, the biggest venue or biggest audience, I would say we played for We've definitely played Rochester Party in the Park several times, but one of the first times we played, we um, opened directly for Eddie Money, and I believe there was five thousand plus there that night. So that was a it was a gorgeous, gorgeous night, and um, it just everything happened to click. The weather was perfect, and you know, a ton of people showed up. And that was one of the times where you stand on stage, you get out there, and you're like, oh. you didn't know you. I I don't really get nervous, but you get nervous when that volume of people is in front of you so
1: yeah and um you obviously were up to the test and had the the ability to pull it off so um amazing stuff those stages are beautiful and um you yeah. know it's on everyone's mind every music fan everyone's mind nowadays that you know with covid there isn't party in the park this year. There wasn't a lilac fest. Um, how has this whole landscape changed your career in music, and how are you coping with the changes? And what are some of the fun things you're doing, you know, as these changes occur?
2: Um, I mean, it, it had to happen. It all had to happen really fast. Um, it was like one second we had gigs planned, and the next second it was like, "Is it responsible to play?" And then before you know it, it was you can't play. So um, in the beginning, we had um, with the Tegan and the Tweeds had a gig that was planned at Iron Smoke Whiskey, and it was right when things were getting kind of hairy, and I just I wasn't feeling right about it. And I don't know, I had this inkling that like we had the ability um, with a friend of ours who actually lives in the same town as me, and he used to actually be part of Tegan and the Tweeds, um, but he's produced a lot of our music. And I know that he was on top of his game as far as live streaming goes. He um, does a lot of business online and marketing. And obviously, he plays music and is a producer. And so I knew I had this outlet. And so I made the proactive decision. I think it was like in the beginning of March to pull our gig. I talked to the venue. I was like, listen, I'm going to throw your logo up on the screen." going Pass around, it was iron, iron smoke whiskey. So, you know, pass around a bottle of whiskey. I'm going to basically just, you know, make a commercial for three hours and we're going to play music live on the internet instead of at your venue because it was when they were cut down to 50% already, 50% capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we went ahead and we did that and it got like, I can't remember, I want to say something close to 8,000 views. Yeah. Um, and it did really well. I threw, you know, tip info up on the screen like I'm sure anybody that's tuned into a live stream lately has seen. Um, You throw your PayPal and your Venmo up on the screen and people can tip at their leisure. And it was just like overwhelming the response that we got. Um, My friend Mike who produced it had a screen for each of us, you know, camera on each of us. So you could see all six people on the screen and um, it just worked out really well. And so it got kind of got my wheels turning. And then, as COVID really started to hit and absolutely change everything and shut everything down, you saw more people start to live stream. And then I, you know, started to do a regular live stream myself and try to keep the venues in the rotation too. Like, I did a couple live streams at Marge's when things started to get a little better. Um, definitely was quarantined in my house for like a long time and just did it from the the producer's house or somewhere here but then when things started to loosen up a little bit i went and did one at marges i did one at around a quite brewing company um you know anywhere that is a change of scenery really because we're all sick of seeing the inside of our living rooms and <laughs>
0: basements so
1: <laughs> absolutely and, and we appreciate you doing all these live streams. Uh, any music lover is dying to get back out to the live shows. And it looks like that might be in the near future. It's, it's definitely coming up with drive-ins and things like that, which is very cool. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to it. Do, do you have a schedule that you live stream on? Or is it kind of, uh, how do we keep in touch and check you out?
2: so I don't have a set schedule. Um, it's mostly because I've been kind of, you know, not trying to overdo it because I've noticed that there's definitely a little bit of a, there's a, there's a line that you've got to walk with live streaming. Um, and your views aren't always the best if you saturate everybody with, you know, what you've got going on. So I've been trying to do it every week if I can. Um, I, I have taken a week off here or there, but I usually try to do it on Wednesdays when I do stream. Um, so I probably will do one again coming up, but I'm also hoping that we hit phase four soon and I can get mm. some of my solo gigs back that are regular. Uh, I usually play Tuesday nights down at the port of Rochester for California Roland. And so, um, I'm really crossing my fingers because we've had such beautiful weather and yeah. you know we can't go out and play, but, um, but yeah, I, I always post the live stream on my Facebook page uh, with plenty of time for everybody to catch it. And I've had a lot of regular people that I actually know are signed in tonight too because I can see them on the stream. Um, and it's it's been such a great way to get through all of this. Like I can't even believe how how wonderful it is. People have stepped up and supported and Um, it's just been a bit overwhelming to tell you the truth. Like I never thought that it would be as successful for me as a performer as it has been. So
1: it's great. Yeah. There's so much compassion and support in these times and yeah, for everyone listening, everyone viewing continue to support your local musicians. It's been a rough little patch here and it's going to get better and things are changing. Um, but we have to be resilient. I, I'm curious, why music? It, it seems like a silly question because, I mean, everybody loves music, right? But why did you get into music? Did you love it as a child? Did you have family that taught you? Any mentors? Did you just sing in the shower? What brought you to be you know, such a great singer and guitar player and musician?
2: Um so my mom was in a band for um, almost my whole life until I was in you know my late teens. Um she's always played guitar and she's always played music to some capacity um even now. So I kind of resisted for a while. I and I I attribute it to the fact that I'm left-handed. Um and so every time my mom wanted to teach me how to or try to teach me how to play guitar, I found it really frustrating because I'm not right-handed like she is. And obviously it's really hard for her to try and teach me opposite. Mm. And it just never felt natural to me. Um, And I was always really just infatuated with the drummer in her band and in the drums, the drum set. Um, So her band would practice at our house when I was growing up. And there was a drum set down there in the basement. And I always wanted to play. So long story short, I ended up playing drums, um, and getting into college to music school for percussion. And when I got there, um, I, a little bit before that, I guess I would say somewhere like maybe a little before high school, I realized I could sing. Um, my mom had a little recording studio set up in in the basement and I sang some Christmas tunes and my mom was like, holy cow, you can sing. You should do that more often. And so um, I did. And then, um, I got really into the drums, like I said, and then somewhere along the way, I learned how to play just a couple chords on the guitar, and I started writing songs with like literally three, four chords, and um, I, it took off. Like I started writing tons of songs in the in the time I was in college, and then a little bit out of college, I was I wrote really the bulk of my music, which I hate to say, but like now songs come, but they come much slower than they did then, and luckily I've been able to you know, kind of work on all that material and just kind of keep that rolling. Um, But that's kind of how I started. I I started going to the open mics uh, Mm. once I was in college, and I realized that I like to – this sounds so pompous – but I like to be out in front, and I like to be a lot more mobile than a drummer is. Um, So I started to sing at open mics, and that's when uh, I got in the scene, and I met a lot of my band and a lot of the people that I know – still in the community community at uh, boulder coffee company when they had the open mic on alexander street mm-hmm. and that's where i met katie right my keyboard player i've been playing music with her since i was 19 years old um and so it all kind of went from there
1: yeah it's and a nice ride it's a hell of a ride and i, I want to comment so tegan the tweeds you guys have been in the rochester community forever. how long how long are we going back when did you start the band
2: Um, so I don't want to be quoted on this, but I think I started the band in 2006. Okay. Um, and the band in its current setup has probably been together since like 2010. So the same lineup for a long time now. Um, obviously with any band, it takes you a few years to kind of get through, Mm -hmm. you know, who you want in and who you want out and who jives together. But I think it was around 2010 when we had the current lineup. So. We're going on over a decade, which is yeah, pretty crazy.
1: That's over a decade, and yeah. and the other thing I was curious about is you just started writing songs. You know, you you figured out wow, I have a singing voice. I, I learn a few chords, start writing a ton of songs so quickly. What was the passion or inspiration there? You know, what was the songwriting process like? Was it a time in your life? Was there? Uh, how did you? do that. So just all of a sudden you're a songwriter.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that like I would, I was brought up with a lot of singer songwriter type music. My mom listened to, you know, 50s, 60s and 70s and all the Janice Joplin and Joni Mitchell and um, James Taylor, Carol King, everything like that. And I listened so much to all of that. And then the music that I chose as a teenager was not your typical music. I didn't listen to a lot of pop music. I listened to a lot of like folk um, or n- people that were behind the pop song. So like a lot of singer songwriters that like bubbled up and made it marginally uh, in the music industry on their own, but then might've sold a hit or two to like a country music star. I know a couple singer songwriters I still listen to um, that were are not famous, but they have famous songs um and I don't know I was really into that and so I think it's the time of your time in your life where it you're it's crucial you're deciding who you're going to become and and what kind of adult you're going to be and that was just a way for me to kind of find something that was my groove and I just ran with it so
1: it all blended together and then you ran with it yeah yeah um yeah now i 'm curious, you know, since that, obviously you've played with a lot of musicians you 've done a lot of different live shows and collaborations of all kinds. Um, it was real fun. I recently talked to Zahia from Vanishing Sun, yeah. and we had an awesome conversation specifically talking about collaborations and um I'm curious as to some of your favorite collabs you 've done in the past, and I know uh, your newest band you know, the Fleetwood Mac band, was that originally just like a one-time thing? Talk a little bit about the the Fleetwood Mac project and then maybe a little bit about some other collabs.
2: Sure thing. Um, So the Fleetwood Mac project that I'm in is called The Seven Wonders. Um, It's fairly new. I want to say it's like two two years now we've been playing music together, the band. Um, It started at Three Heads Brewery, uh, which is it's really kind of become the heartbeat for a lot of people of the Rochester music scene.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: And such a great, great place uh, and advocate um, for all of us to, to do our thing. Um, So I love those guys. I can't ever say enough about them, Um, but they do as you know, and I don't know if anybody listening doesn't know, but they do a residency uh, every month. So they give one local musician, uh, the stage every Thursday for one month. And you are challenged to usually do a different theme every week. One of the challenges is usually um, play an album in its entirety that has influenced you or that you really dig, or you know, or just an album you want to play. And my friend Charlie Lidner was um the resident two February's ago. So I think it that would have been February 2019. And he um he I think the story is he wasn't sure which album he wanted to play and so he was kind of brainstorming with Jeff Dale and Jeff Dale was like dude you should play rumors uh Fleetwood Mac rumors and you should totally get a hold of Tegan cuz I bet you she'd sing Stevie for you and so he got a hold of me and then he asked me if I knew anybody that could play Christine would sing Christine McVie and of course I have my right hand lady Katie Wright that I've always played music with and I know she can Cover all those parts. We've actually talked about playing "Rumors" in our entire in its entirety before for years. So um, she rose to the occasion, and then uh, he got Matt Rammerman on drums, Kyle vok on bass, uh, and John Sheffer on guitar, who's a great friend of mine and absolutely unbelievable guitar player. Um, and then we brought in Matt Stevens to sing the Lindsey Buckingham parts and play a lot of the rhythm guitar parts. Um, and it is such a fun band to play with like I I've never really been I've, I've never felt a need to be in a cover band um I mean the tweeds definitely does their fair share of covers just to exist in the city and you know but we kind of split our night between covers and original but the flute mac band it's like a totally different thing it's like liberating playing somebody else's music on stage you get to channel them and kind of set yourself aside for a minute and all the people that I get to play with in that band are, are people that I've known for years and haven't necessarily gotten to share a stage with for an entire night. And it's just, it's just really nice to see a whole different set of uh, energy come together like that. And we all love it when we all get off stage and we're like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. We got to keep doing this. So,
1: No, it's amazing. You guys do a a great job. And I I want to touch a little more, a little bit more on collabs in a second, but uh, I'm first curious when you're in a cover band like that, singing music from, you know, Fleetwood Mac, uh, a singer songwriter like Stevie Nicks, how, how do you take on that challenge? Do you guys make it your own a little bit, or are you more focused on trying to master it the way they would do it? And, you know, how do you take on those kind of challenges?
2: That's a really good question because I feel like that's something that comes up a lot. Um, I think for us, we try, uh, we lean more on the let's take this music and embrace it and play it as we would. Um, And then at the same time we, we pay homage to it. Like we don't want to stray too far from it, but we like to take the liberties that maybe the band may have, would have maybe taken. Mm. Um, For me, like, I don't play a straight Stevie. I I try to, I mean, I still whip my hair back and forth and try to, you know, put a little bit of my own twist on it just to feel the energy of the crowd. I mean, um, so it's a loaded question because it's something we're always discussing, I think. It's whether or not to play this as is. You don't want people to criticize you for for going too far off the book. Um, But then at the same time, you want to bring them... You know, you want to pour all your energy into it the way you would like to at the same time. So I it's a nice marriage between both. I think we've gotten a really good response from everybody. Nobody's ever come up to us and said, Oh my God, you played this totally different than them. I mean, we you would definitely recognize every song. All the harmonies are usually spot on. And uh it's just maybe the stage setup and the energy might just be a little bit higher, I think, than uh maybe, well, I don't know. I guess it depends on what era fleet with Mac you're talking about, right? So
1: sure. And it, it depends on the venue you guys are playing at, and every, there's lots of factors. For sure. Now, I, I appreciate that you've got, you know, a balanced marriage between the two things, because a um, couple people, random people that come to mind, you know, John Mayer playing Jerry Garcia's parts in Dead and Company, or Duizo Zappa playing his father Frank Zappa's parts, they're both two characters that are super focused, like hyper-focused on trying to completely mimic the guitar part and have it be as close and perfect as possible. But then you also have hundreds and thousands of bands taking a blues song and turning it into a reggae song or right. taking a pop song and turning it into a country song, bluegrass song. Um, so it's, it's good to have both elements for sure. Definitely. Um, what are, what are some other collaborations you've done that have been super fun, whether it's just for one night or um, collabs that turned into a band or anything like that.
2: I don't really have any other collabs that have turned into a band, um, but I've collaborated with a bunch of people. You mentioned my girl Zahaya. Mm -hmm. I love Zahaya. Um, We collaborated on something that is kind of super secret, but might come out maybe in the future. Um, But (laughs) I've, I've done some studio work with her here and there though. And I love I absolutely love her voice and I love her energy is like a force to be reckoned with. So she's great. Um, but in COVID I would say that I've gotten the opportunity to collab with a couple people, um, just live streaming, which is really cool. Um, my friend Matt Stevens from the Fleetwood Mac band and I, uh, got together a couple times just to kind of, um, have more impact with two of our social media bases and we've live streamed that way. Um, so that's been really fun and he's got a great voice and, you know, we, we really enjoy playing together. Um, and then, uh, what else? Let me think. What else have I clipped? Oh, you know, what was really fun. Uh, last summer we did that giant Woodstock show at, um, mm. Loving Cup that was outside and that was incredible. Like that was another thing. Every musician in Rochester kind of came together, put together their little band for whichever song they played and then I got to play on stage um I did the Gracie Slick uh music the Jefferson Airplane music with mm-hmm. uh some really really great musicians on stage and the whole the energy that night was unbelievable I hope they do that again because it was really fun and it was great to see everybody interpret in Woodstock in their own way um, right right because I've always been you know I've Watched every movie, and I have the coffee table book that I've rid- uh, read through and everything. And I've always been a huge fan, so it was great to see like who played which part and where everybody fell. Um, but yeah, I I enjoy the opportunity to collab when I can. The problem that I find is that I get so busy throughout the year and seasonally even that it's so hard to find time to do that. And so this has been kind of nice to take a step back and maybe think more about what you want to do and where you want to spend your time as a musician rather than schlepping around town so Mm -hmm. often. So something I look forward to doing more of in the future.
1: Yeah, you got to be hyper focused, and but there's plenty of time in the future to get more done. I, I have big FOMO. I forget where I was that Woodstock evening at Park Point outside. Um, I know I was at a music festival or something else, but I missed that evening. Um, but I heard it was super incredible. So you know, Gracie Slick, Jefferson Airplane. You know, obviously, here's some influence there in, in your style and the the way you sing and the way you play I'm curious um if you could harness the ability of we'll give you up to three or four but if you could harness the ability of you know any few musicians whether it's a couple um, or three or four or let's say five who who would you ultimately, you know, take a piece of who, who are your current influences are? And is there anybody that you look up to that you're trying to get, you're trying to reach that point, you know?
2: Yeah, always. I mean, I, if that's a loaded question, and obviously <laughs> you and I both know that I could sit here all night and tell you who and why and list a whole, you know, top 100. But, um, I do have a few that I can definitely like hone in on. Um, I am a huge, huge Janis Joplin fan. I always have been. Um, from the moment I heard her music when I was a lot younger, maybe like 15 or 16, I found a greatest hit CD. Um, and I ended up listening to it and just like wearing it out. And since then, I, I never get sick of it. And I've always wanted to be a performer the way that she was a performer. I feel like she connected with her audience the way that a lot of people don't do um and it has a lot to do with the physicality of the performance uh you don't have to be a great dancer you don't have to be like somebody that's way outlandish but there's just like a simple way that you can move around on stage and still better communicate your message and i think that she did that so perfectly and naturally it wasn't something that was forced or anything like that and um i would say as a performer um I've tried to, to do that in my own way. Um, and I'm constantly listening to her music and, you know, watching videos of her. And I just think she was incredible at that. Um, the second person as a singer songwriter, um, I mentioned earlier that I found a couple people early on that I really liked because they were singer songwriters, not because they had hits. Um, well they do have hits, but because they were the singer songwriter behind the music. Um, There is a woman named Lori McKenna. She uh, lives in Boston, in the Boston area. And she's been writing songs for a very, very long time. I had a whole bunch of her albums uh, back, I would say like 2002 to 2004. And then somewhere around 2004, she sold a bunch of her music to Faith Hill. And that kind of set off a wildfire in the country music Genre for her, and since then she has written a ton of country music hits, like you could probably name ten off the country music top ten right now, and I bet you seven of them have her name somewhere on them. Um, she's just incredible. She wrote uh, one song that everybody might know called "Girl Crush um, and uh, um just a ton of other ones, and I love her story. Uh, she really didn't get famous until she was in her late thirties. Maybe early 40s, and um, she's got like something crazy like five or six kids, and you know, they're adults now, and it's just a really incredible career. I got the chance to finally see her live um, this past year, and it was uh, just really intimate, and really lovely. So, she would be my next one, and then more current, um, somebody that I absolutely love, and again, not just for their songwriting, but really for their live performance. I absolutely love Grace Potter. Um, I could never get enough of her. We, every time she's around, we all go to see her, me and the band. And, um, I just think she's a ton of fun and, uh, can appeal to such a large group of people, her genre of music. And that's really what we kind of do in the tweeds is we try to appeal to not just, you know, younger or older people, but kind of anybody that we can get. And I think we've done a really good job of that. So, and I, I would say that I listened to her really early on too, like when she first kind of came out on the scene. And um, I, I, I've i kind of loosely modeled a lot of what we do over that. So uh, those are my three for now.
1: All incredible. And I, I love Grace Potter. I'm happy you mentioned her. Um, I noticed in that, that first song at the – I'm not even making this up when we were listening to searching what is searching game at the, at the start of the podcast, I felt a little bit of grace Potter in it. Awesome. And I'm not even just saying that I had that thought when we were listening to that earlier. Um, and you know, let's, let's break this up and listen to one more track by Tegan in the Tweeds. Uh, Do you want to put on a two Hills?
2: Yeah. Two Hills. Um, this is a more like subdued acoustic song, but yeah.
1: Go for it. Awesome. Awesome. Here is Two Hills by Tegan in the Tweets.
0: Gotta let it out, so I hold my pillow so tight and cry out loud. And I'll wonder someday will this love come my way, or is it burnt out and gone astray? And I'll stop for a while, reminisce about those eyes. I've been in happier places than this Don't you agree Didn't we find Life is only As hard as hills We climb Both of us know If ever we need I'll call on you You can call on me And now Rest assured Let's get some sleep He stays inside and takes the right bottle of wine Holds it close, grips it tight Then calls me crying And I know you're down You've been pulled around By love you thought was nothing less than sound And you stop and breathe And say thanks talking to me and you've been in happier places than this Don't you agree Didn't we find Life is only as hard as the hills if we can climb Both of us know Ever we need, I'll call on you, you can call on me, and now, rest assured, let's get some some sleep
1: I love it, Deegan. Thanks. Subdued, as you said, very calming and beautiful.
2: Yeah, actually, that's funny. Um, you were talking about collabs before, and you threw that picture up there, and I totally forgot to tell you or talk <laughs> about. Um, I do another collaboration with a band called House of Zeppelin, which is um, with Amanda Lee Pierce and uh, Champagne Brown, John Viviani, and um, such a great lineup of musicians. and. So that reminded me of that. I play with them once in a while as well. So
1: It's very cool. I've said this a million times. It it comes up a million times. The amount of collaborations and incredibly talented musicians, you know, working together here in Rochester is just amazing.
2: It is. It really is. We've got an awesome community. And I feel funny saying that because I feel like everybody probably says that, but we're, we mm-hmm. really do we, i know enough people in enough other cities to know that we're really lucky here
1: we're very lucky and um and listening to that song um i'm thinking about how i didn't get any sleep last night <laughs> and um just in the fact that not seeing live music you know being born and raised outside of rochester living in rochester and not being able to walk to my local show, things are so different now. I'm wondering, um, have you been writing? Has things changed for you or you pretty much managed to stay optimistic with all this?
2: Um, I've definitely tried to stay optimistic. I think um, that, like I said, the live stream kind of has kept me going through it all and just seeing the power of what you can do when you use what's at your fingertips. Um, I think a lot of times as a musician, even I mentioned this before, but you just get used to like, okay, I know I can book these gigs. I know I can stay alive in the scene by doing this. Um, but there's always more you can do. Um, and I think this has kind of shown us all that we need to use all of our devices and, um, everything in our fingertips to kind of think outside the box and that, can bring us, you know, a a new way of performing. Like you said, the drive-ins that are happening, like that's incredible. Um, And all the live streams and everything. So I definitely stay optimistic. I think everything will get back to where it was. I just think Mm -hmm. it's going to be slow. But I think we've all, anybody that puts a little time into marketing their music, which I'm constantly trying to do, I know I'm not great at it all the time, but this has given me so much more insight on just like how important that is. Um, so that's one thing, um, staying busy. Have I been writing? Not as much as I would like. Um, I find that a very hard process to force. Um, I wish it was different. I wish I was somebody that could sit down and be like, okay, I have this much time to write a song. Here's what I'm going to write. Um, I always try to do that. I always try to, um, save little snippets that come into my head or like, I'll sit down and play my guitar for a little bit. And I, you know, throw the video recorder on so I can remember what chords I'm playing. And I've been trying to do that. Yes. Uh, not a whole lot has come out of it during this. Um, but I also don't have a lot of my writing partners, which is mostly Tegan and the Tweeds. So Mm
0: -hmm. there are
2: things that I can definitely bring to them once all of this is over and we're back together. Um, and who knows, maybe something great will come out of one of those snippets, but, uh, for now, I have been trying to learn a lot of covers. Um, Awesome. I, right over here, you can't see it, but I um, had Record Archive refurbish my turntable at the beginning of COVID. Nice. Um, And I have my parents' record collection, so I've been diving deep into that.
0: Wow. Um,
2: Yeah, so I mostly I've been playing on repeat Carly Simon for some reason. I don't know why, but I've just been super digging the Carly Simon lately. Um and uh pure prairie League, all that kind of stuff so i've I've been keeping busy listening to that, and i I've so much enjoyed even I work from home, I work a day job, but I'll throw a record on when I have my coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. and I'll just keep it on while I do my day job, so it's great
1: that is great, yeah, music's always so joyful, so that that's perfect, yeah, and um, yeah, something you just mentioned, um you do a little bit of marketing, it's important if you're treating music as a business, it's huge. And I just kind of want to do a public service announcement for anyone listening. The number one thing that musicians do is write beautiful music. Mm -hmm. They're not world professional marketers. They, they have been, they don't necessarily, I, I think you're great at it, but they don't necessarily, you know, spend their time marketing 24 7 they're spending time writing and performing and uh, practicing music so uh, it's our job as fans to like posts share posts follow pages rather than uh more than just follow it um market so you see the page first pops up in your feed share things when you see them um it's our job to do that and uh but it's important it's important to market you've been doing music forever now you've been you know the current band it's been over a decade. How has the business and social relationship side of it come into play? Um, do you focus a lot on the business end? how does that work for you?
2: Um, I so that's another loaded question. Everything that you're saying is one hundred percent correct. Musicians are like the worst salesmen for their own music. I mean, I, part of it is you don't want to be, you don't want to come across as too pompous or, you know, um, overconfident. Um, but you want to be confident because you want to be confident enough to, you know, get on stage and, and pour your heart out. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a careful game that you have to play in marketing. And most of the time it helps a lot better when you can get a third party to do that for you. Um, However, we also know that musicians, I think Frank DeBlaze has a line where it's like, you can become a musician, you can make hundreds. And um, it, so we're not making a lot of money, you know, sure. really. Uh, so we have to be careful how we spend it. And so a lot of the times you have to be your own marketer or keep your marketing internal in the band. Um, and I'm lucky because I've had six people along the way in the Tweeds that have really, um, helped me do that, or at least helped me to some capacity. I would say that I do most of it, me and um, Katie Wright, my keyboard player, and then everybody else um, helps out where they can, which is really nice. And to have six people that are all assisting in that, I can imagine is way easier than just one person trying to do it solo. Um, But yeah, we've treated the band as a business for over a decade now. Um, we run as a small business and that's been really helpful, um, because it gives you the freedom to do a lot more collectively and not wonder who's going to pay for what. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the smarter things that we did earlier on. Um, and just, you know, pounding the social media and really trying to stay relevant. Um, it, it's tough. It, And it sounds, I feel so old when I say that because I I know I'm not old, um, but it's really tough to stay relevant because you have to be ready for the next best thing. You know, when I started playing music, it was a crime if you didn't have a new song out on MySpace once a week. And I, now, I mean, what is that? So it, it, you know, we put all our eggs into Facebook and that's still doing well for us. I think a little resurgence, little Facebook resurgence has happened since the pandemic hit. But, um, you know, there's tons of money to be made on Instagram and tons of people that I know we're not hitting as hard because I don't hit Instagram as hard. I've been trying to. I've been trying to change that. Um, but there's just so much. There's so much to stay up on. Um, but I think, I don't know. I I feel lucky. I feel like I've played my cards all right through it all. Um, and the audience that I know that we appeal to um, is very active on Facebook. And so you know, as long as I can hit that. And we have a pretty good website. I try to keep our website up to date too. And the band really helps out with that. So, um, but yeah, it's a constant struggle. I mean, it's a, it could be a full-time job, honestly, just in itself.
1: Yeah. The, the trends are changing all the time. And again, you're a musician. You don't want to allocate your money from the gig to do ads. Right. Um, And that's why it's important, everyone, obviously, to continue to support local music. Um, I like um, monthly services like Patreon, things like that. Um, But anything anyone can do for any local musician or venues, a positive thing. Um, One thing with COVID is things are changing a lot and businesses like Amazon.com are doing better than ever. Um, I think it's never been more important to support Rochester business, support local business. Um, and so in turn support Tegan and the tweeds and everything you mm-hmm.
2: do. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's, it is so important. Like I said, at the beginning of this, I had record archive service, my turntable, right? mostly right. because I was just trying to, you know, I, I went through weeks of just sitting here trying to figure out how I could think outside the box and support more local businesses. Um, you know what I, I did? I changed the way I grocery shopped during all this. Like I found myself going to the market and getting those produce boxes and then going to get my meat at the butchers around town rather than Wegmans. Like, So it's little, little things. Like if you could just think of a few ways to change what you're doing and support somebody local instead. I mean, honestly, what you said too about social media, anybody that pops on, even if you can't listen to a whole live stream, just to click that share button, And share it on your newsfeed so that everybody else can see it is like huge. The moment I say that on live stream and like, let's say, you know, five people share it, all of a sudden the number on the top left corner of the screen for me goes way through the roof and it's, it Mm -hmm. changes everything and it, it just really helps out. So yeah, it's just keeping an open mind on how and what you can do and being aware of your surroundings and how you can support them is huge for everybody, not just music, but definitely. I agree.
1: Yeah. um, Gratitude always. I agree with everything you're saying. And on the end of everyone, it's just showing that little bit of gratitude. I'm the first person to admit, I don't know why I'll see a picture and I like it, or I'll see a post and I'll like it, but I won't actually physically like it sometimes. I'll continue scrolling (laughs) because I'm in the scroll mindset. Right. Uh, Leave a comment, show your gratitude, share it. Um, So you've been through A lot in the music industry locally I'm wondering let's say I'm whether I'm a child or just just getting started in the music industry maybe going to college for school any scenario at all and I'm curious like what do I do to not waste two years of my life what do I do not to screw up what what Kind of advice would you give a young musician to kind of turbocharge their career and send them on the right path?
2: Uh, I think that it's interesting because with Camp Rockstar in town, um, I'm sure you know what that is. LVO's Camp Rockstar, there's a lot of up and coming young musicians. And I think that is without a doubt a great place to start for that. And like I, the kids that are coming out of there, I'm jealous of because I wish that I had something like that when I was their age. Um, so I think that's a great starting point. But because of that, also being in town, I find myself having these conversations a lot, whether it be with like, um, you know, I, I that um, Camp Rockstar has been around enough now that now you're starting to run into the people that are in it um, in like a normal gig setting. So I. I've been having these conversations. And one thing that I think means a lot and um, means a lot more than anything else you can do, like practice or writing or you know just the foundation of it all, I think getting out and being in the scene is worth its weight in gold. Um, one of the things that I did early on is I I had a friend who was going to the open mic scene all the time and she just took me out and was like okay let's go to this one on tuesday this one on wednesday this one on thursday and i just tried to do that as often as i could and gaining like honestly just having the balls to get up there and do it i'm just not going to sugarcoat it and then you know knowing that you brought yourself there you got yourself on on stage and you know somebody might want to hop up and play a song with you too and like all that is very natural and i think everybody has to experience that um I think you can put yourself in a situation and say, okay, I'm going to start a band and, you know, come to my house. We're going to play this, 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 and this, and we're going to get really great. But like, you've got to actually get out and feel what it feels like to, to be the one to put your foot on the stage, like on your own accord. Um, and be responsible for what you're doing on stage too. I think there's just a lot of weight in that. And I think it um, develops who you're going to become. and That would be my other advice too, is be, if you're going to be a musician and you want to play out, be a performer, like put, put energy and effort into what people are seeing. Because one of my least favorite things is to see somebody that is so incredibly talented that just stands on stage and only does what their talent is. I think that a lot of times you have to give your audience more than just what you've practiced you have to you know give them the whole package whether you're a guitar player or a drummer I mean we talked about Pete Griffith that's coming up I mean there's one hell of a drummer that does not sit still um and and I so appreciate him for it I love watching him play and I think a lot of people around town probably know him a lot more than they know any other drummer because he's so crazy when he plays um so I don't know I just think there's value in that and I think um especially if you're not a singer or not a front person, there's even more value in it. So, and yeah, it helps everybody that you're on stage with have more fun, so.
1: Yeah, per- performing is definitely a transfer of energy. It, when someone's the life of the party on stage, it just makes everyone else on stage and off stage feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a funny. It's a funny analogy. I, I think you'll be up for this. This is real simple, and anyone listening or watching, so just put your hand in the air as high as possible. Now put it higher, and that's an analogy of you know going that extra inch. Right. So we put it as high as possible. Well, there's. Always a little bit more. It, I, almost no one stands on their chair and jumps to the sky when you ask them to raise their hand. It's it's going that extra inch on stage. That uh, that's a really cool thing. And my thing is, I get social anxiety. It's tough. It's got to be tough performing. You're a front lady. You're front and center. We're listening to you sing. How do you bring that energy? How do you go above and beyond? And not feel weird or awkward on stage? Have you always been a natural at it? Have you had struggles with it?
2: Um, I definitely, I mean, I definitely have struggles with it. And I will be the first to say that I also have, a, I would say that I have a form of social anxiety too. I mean, I if you saw me out at a bar, you probably think I'd love to talk, but um, there's definitely a part of me that's not necessarily the person that goes up and initiates conversation right away. Um, And I, a lot of times rely on my bandmates to go talk to people and I'm the one that maybe might stay backstage or like do, you know, something else because I, and that's something I'm working on, but, um, I hear you on that for sure. Um, as far as getting on stage goes and what that takes, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I started to try and just hone that in at open mics. And then it got to a point where I started playing with people on stage and when you feel your bandmate's energy or the crowd's energy. There's just something for me that makes it seem all right to take it. That's, you know, a little bit higher and it doesn't feel weird. Um, I might look, look like a fool sometimes, uh, (laughs) but you know, how many great performers have looked like fools? I mean, look at Pete Townsend, what he did on stage. He looked like a total fool and kind of an asshole really when he like smashed stuff, but it's really freaking cool. So and people love it, um, so I don't know. I just think that you kind of gotta let other people's judgment go to the wind because it there's gonna be so many more people that enjoy it, I think, and enjoy the energy, and um yeah, I'm always a little worried, but not enough to not do what I do, yeah so
1: you guys you guys are rock stars. <laughs> again, I don't know,
2: in our own minds, I suppose, right? <laughs> you,
1: you know, again, it's it's a marriage. It's a marriage with that balance where the music is really freaking important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But putting on a great live show takes it to a whole different level. When you have the balance between the two, that's, that's great. Definitely. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we've touched on it, but I really want to crystal clear what are the best ways to keep in touch with Tegan Ward and all your music? Is there, do you, would you rather Facebook, website, Instagram? What's the best way to follow you?
2: Um, so the best way to find out where Tegan and the Tweeds are playing is by going to teganandthetweeds.com. Uh, we have a really great website that has a very clear gig schedule up there. Um, and uh, my bass player, Jeremy, is the one that updates it, and he is on top of his stuff. So it's always updated. Um, then, uh, the next best thing to do would just be to visit Facebook because everything is always on teganandthetweeds.com for the band. Um, so those are the two outlets, teganandthetweeds.com on Facebook or, or the Tweeds on Facebook or teganandthetweeds.com. Um, for me, uh, I have to admit that I'm not as good at my, I do have a solo page, which is teganward.com. Uh, it is not updated right now, but that's one of the things I'm hoping to get done as soon as phase four hits and I have gigs again. Um, But the best way to keep in touch with me and find out where the gigs are is just going to my Facebook, which is Tegan Ward. Um, Anybody can friend me. I also have a fan page that I post all that stuff on. Um, And I am on Instagram, Tegan in the tweeds and Tegan Ward Music is uh, my handle on Instagram. And I do post on there pretty frequently. Um, I don't post as many gigs, but I post more about what I got going on or if I'm playing guitar and I want to put a snippet up there, picture of my dog, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then the Seven Wonders, the Fleetwood Mac Band, we are on Facebook as well and Instagram, uh, the Seven Wonders. It's seven spelled out. And uh, I also mentioned the House of Zeppelin. Uh, and I believe there's a Facebook page up for them as, too, as well, uh, House of Zeppelin. So again, the best place to get any of that info, or if you don't remember it, just shoot me a message on Facebook. I'm super approachable. I'll you know, try to get back to whoever I see. So um, I try to stay active on there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening, obviously you're going to stay in touch and it'll be easy to stay in touch with Tegan because it sounds like you're going to be popping up everywhere pretty soon with all these projects and uh, you're pro, you're approachable so you'll you'll respond and um make sure everybody's up to date yeah
2: for sure
1: there's um there's one big question i love to ask i've asked every guest for like 15 in a row i think i'm going to do it indefinitely um and it, it's ultimately if you had a gigantic billboard side of the road You know, I don't care if it's a city, where it's located. The only stipulation is everyone gets to see it. Um, There's young, there's old, there's all different personalities, there's children, there's, you know, adults, there's babies just learning how to read. I don't know. So you obviously don't want to swear, but you have the ability, (laughs) you have the ability to control this billboard and send a message to you know, the entire world or just a vast selection of people on this earth, um, whether it's something you've heard, something you've wrote, something you've learned, what would you say and why? why would you say that?
2: So I've been pondering this question because you gave me a little precursor.
1: I precursor and- this question just for anyone listening because I know it's a big one.
2: I don't, so I, at the risk of sounding shallow, for the life of me, I cannot figure out what, like, that's such a, it's a great question to ask, but it's also, you have a, the power to be so impactful that I would love to answer something, like, worldly and wonderful for everybody to take away from their drive, right, past the billboard, but shallowly, I would love to put something up there, like, dot com. <laughs> No, I, I don't know. I I honestly can't answer it. I wish I, I couldn't come up with anything except for that or like, I'm a really big rescue dog person. I don't know if maybe there would be something to that degree. I also travel a lot. So maybe I would put something up about, you know, seeing the world, but more eloquently. The mm-hmm. singer songwriter in me would need, need a moment to kind of write the little verse out that I think I was gonna put up there. But I don't know, Ben. I think I, I failed you on this question.
1: Let, let me tell you, Tegan, I that that's one of my favorite answers and there's a couple people that have given a similar response and the reason I appreciate it is um just the sincerity and humbleness that it's not like you know everything. It's not like I know everything. There's no one answer. There's lots of different answers to lots of different things and being hesitant to decide on one thing on such a big thing is tough, but, um, you, you did mention a couple of things that I, I'm curious about now. Um, what dog rescue, are you a volunteer T- talk to me a little bit about? Oh, what no, you said there. I'm not
2: a volunteer. I just have just had passionate. a lot of rescue dogs. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I just think that that's, you know, something that if anybody knows me, they know that I have a bunch of dogs and they're all about, you know, I my life is dedicated to them in so many ways. Um, and my family is all about that, too. My cousin works at Lollipop Farm and I've got really good friends that are all involved in rescue. So that's just, you know, something that makes makes a part of me, I suppose.
1: Yeah, no, do- dogs are beautiful. Uh, you probably didn't notice it. Earlier, my I thought um, I
2: saw one creeping back there. Something.
1: Yeah, it was barking a lot and crying, so I had to let her out of the room. But that's why I was distracted. What Literally. kind of dog do you have? Um, so it's my girlfriend's dog, but um, her name is Hazel, and it's a pug bulldog.
0: Ah, that's cute. And
1: she's very adorable. And. Awesome the other thing that we actually didn't touch on that we should right now is you mentioned nature and traveling that Mm. is that a second love aside from music you love to get outdoors
2: i do love to get outdoors i um i started one of my first jobs that i had was at a kayak shop down here around aquate bay and um I worked there for quite a while, and I was really into the outdoors. For a while, I thought that that was kind of the route I would take uh, some sort of profession that had something to do with the outdoors. And you mentioned hiking. I'm slowly working on the 46 high peaks. I probably won't be done until I'm 80, but um, I've bagged a few of those. Um, But a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago, actually like six years ago at this point, um, I was doing a lot of music openings for the Memorial Art Gallery uh not music openings art openings and i would play the music there and uh through that i had a connection um with AAA so AAA the same like roadside assistance that would mm-hmm. come to you and um they do a lot of group travel and they have a whole branch of their business it's all travel and um i knew somebody like i said as a connection through the memorial art gallery and she asked me to start leading music-based trips for groups. Um, as, a, you know, as a musician, she wanted somebody that was credible in what they were doing. So I started doing that, and I wiggled my way into a full-time job at AAA, and I travel for I, – I market. I'm in marketing and product development, and I travel for them quite a bit. So I've had the opportunity to see a lot of the world in the past five or six years. Um, so yeah, that's something that's become a passion of mine. It's, uh, like, I can't say enough about how much it teaches you about the world. So that's why maybe my billboard might have something to do with travel on it, because I think it's a very important part of being open-minded.
1: Huge. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. And at, whether you're a musician, not a musician, getting outdoors and seeing new things and breathing in the fresh air. Is that not exactly what we need in these controversial times? You know, there's a, from moving from COVID to the strengthening of Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I really think things are going to change well for the better, but there's a lot of confusion and changes and this and that. Sometimes we just need some fresh air.
2: That's true. It's true. And that's what's been refreshing. We were talking about it earlier, like just seeing people get outside. And I said I've been doing a lot of camping. We have an RV, so I've been the last couple of weekends just trying to weekend warrior to, Mm -hmm. you know, the waterfront or wherever we can go. And it's important. And it's also, I think, one of the small bits of light that will come out of this dark pandemic that we've been in is that people, I think, are... um, just taking advantage more of what we have around us. That's, you know, all the natural beauty. I mean, we live in a gorgeous place that has a river and a lake and mm-hmm. finger lakes and it's just, you know, I, I hope to see that that's more appreciated when we get what continues to be more appreciated when we get out of all of this. So.
1: I agree. Ne- next time, next time we talk, we got to, we could probably spend an hour just on RV traveling and things like that. For uh,
0: sure, I'm
1: a, I'm a little jealous. Uh, that's where <laughs> I'm. That's my next step: get an RV and uh, live that life. Hey, you've had it for a while, or
2: oh man, I uh, not that long. <laughs> so we got a new travel trailer, a little guy, um, like. Uh, last year, I think it was. So
0: awesome. we're trying to do
2: more of that. But before that, we had a motorhome and I could tell you all sorts of things uh, that go wrong with that. We bought a used one and man, I spent a lot of time on the side of the road in the Adirondacks waiting for <laughs> AAA to uh, bail us out. But yeah, no, it's it's all fun nonetheless. It's a great way to just get out, especially when you're like me and you don't, I, I do a lot of weekend work. I mean, I have a lot of uh, gigs on the weekends. So the weekends mm-hmm. that I do have free, and I want to camp, it doesn't always sound appealing to go up and pitch a tent, and, you know, just to drive five hours up to the Adirondacks and then stay a night or two and come home. So this is a way that kind of makes it a little bit easier because it's like having a rolling home on wheels. So um, yeah, it's cool. I don't know. I'm still kind of dabbling and in getting into it, but it's definitely, a, it's fun. It's a fun way to connect with other people too. Like my neighbors go sometimes and I
0: don't know.
2: good community.
1: Yeah. I'm just dabbling as well. And we'll, we'll talk more about it. Um, all the better reason. Keep in touch with Tegan. <laughs> I'll have you on again. Um, Tegan in the tweeds, ultimately everything that you're doing musically. Um, obviously you can find Tegan Ward, general Facebook, Tegan in the tweeds, Tegan in the com, everything that you've mentioned today. I'm drawing a blank. Seven Wonders? No. So yeah, Seven Wonders.
2: You got it. Yeah. Fleetwood
1: Mac. Um, what was what was the other band?
2: And I'm in House of Zeppelin. Which House is, of Zeppelin. Yeah, it's a female-fronted Led Zeppelin band. So it's uh that's only once in a while, but it's definitely it's on Facebook, and it, they're good shows when they pop up. So keep watch.
1: Awesome, awesome. You you got me all all in the wanderlust stage where I'm just blanking <laughs> out and I'm. I'm thinking about getting outside. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we'll Thanks talk a me. more soon. And um, for me, I mean, RochesterGroovecast.com, Rochester Groovecast on Facebook. Um, but ultimately, support Tegan and her stuff. I do this twice a week, two episodes a week. So you mentioned it before, and it's like you don't want to stream too much cuz you oversaturate. And I'm like, that's exactly what you're doing. I'm I'm oversaturating <laughs> twice no, a week.
2: No, no, no. For you it's <laughs> different. You're doing I I like this cuz it's outside of the box. I mean, I don't I've been live streaming so much and everybody's heard those songs over and over again. So I try to give a little backstory when I live stream, but like this is nice because you're asking questions that I don't necessarily you know, answer all the time. And so I disagree with the interview style. I don't think you can oversaturate for that.
0: So.
1: Thanks again for listening to the show. I hope you guys understand I would not leave you without giving Tegan the last word. Here is Please Carolina by Tegan and the Tweeds. Y'all have a great one, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: 7